morning, everybody. This is the Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Ms. Molly Herman this morning. Good morning. Good, rainy, soggy, sticky, hot, wet. <laughs> it's a good day to stay inside. <laughs> and watch like, World Cup. And, and watch World Cup. Argentina right. versus Iceland was on when I left. So. Was it really? Well, some of these matches are starting at 5 a.m. Well, yeah, they're and that's Russia. a lot. And I, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about this later because there's places you got to go to kind of hang out. I will give you the quick report at halftime. Argentina won, Iceland won. At uh, France f- ended with full uh, France two and one Australia. Okay. So France over Australia. But we're gripping, only on halfsies. Gripping, gripping, gripping. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Malls. Um, so Thanks glad for to have me. you here. It's uh, the Saturday of Rock the Garden. It's also the Saturday of the Stone Arch Festival. It's also Father's Day's weekend. It's just going to be rainy and kind of pooey, I think, for a lot <laughs> it of it. It is what you make of it, Steph. But I was going to say, like, I was going to say what I love about Minnesotans is that we're still going to get out and do things. And so I hope that that's, I hope that that's true. I hope it is. It looks like the rain's going to sort of stop this afternoon, though. It is. It's supposed to kind of only go through the morning and then. Yeah. But do be careful driving out there. There are some flash flooding. I don't know if that's on, on report, Hope, or not, officially. Yeah, um, definitely. So, yeah, be careful. Yeah. If you're driving or heading somewhere, because it was uh, just driving in, it was a little bit dicey. I ran into some pockets, too. There's some pockets. Mm. Pockets of hydroplaning. Not good. Pockets. Uh, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I can't say pockets without doing that. (laughs) That is funny. Um, So, you know, it's been kind of a great week of uh, eating and running around and things like that. You and I had a little... Had a little shindig last night that we're going to talk about a little later about building a pizza oven in my backyard. Dot, dot, dot. Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> no, it, it it's was a progress. pizza oven. It's, it is. And it's in. Yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> but where are some of the places you ate this week? What'd you eat? Uh, well, I went uh, with uh, Michael, who works with me after a class. We went to Grand Cafe because we love that place. I know. And we sat on the patio like we didn't get there till 930. They close at 10. And so it was just a quick little nosh late at night. And it was like one of those beautiful summer nights where yeah. it was cool and breezy and it was perfect. Oh, good. As usual. Um, did you? So you sat outside in the front or did you sit down the cute little alleyway? In the front. Yeah. We sat in the front. Uh, and I love their poached seafood platter. Yeah. Because it's just, it's it's smaller than you normally get, I think. That's some, like if you go to Mar- If you go to Martina, it's huge and you that's get great because it's like thing. a big party thing. Right. Um, this was just a little more curated and um, they always have this really good mayo with it. And mm. this time it was buttered popcorn mayo. Oh, like it changes up every time? That's yeah. kind of weird. But I, wasn't it I'm uni not, mayo before? Wasn't it what? Uni mayo? I don't know. I don't remember. I remember loving it. Yeah. Uh, but this time it was buttered popcorn mayo. I was like, How oh, does that work out? It's really good. It just tastes. It so just had like a yeah. It a just had a, an essence of weird. I love that magic. Yeah, and Cooking so then magic. you just dipped your poached shellfish and seafood yeah, in there. So good, and they have a milk braised uh, chicken right now that is off the charts with morels. So oh. get in there fast to get that because the morels will be gone. Yeah, morels are almost soon. gone, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I mean, I think they're pretty much. I haven't seen them. At, I haven't seen them at the no, market. No, they're still coming in. Are they? Yeah, and I, I mean, the foragers are still getting them, and or they're getting them from other places because I've seen them some posts. From restaurants, you know, lots of morels on the menu. We are still. kind of, I mean, just because everything was so late with the snow and everything else, it seems like we're Pushed like a little. Yeah, somebody else was posting scapes, and I was like, oh, I forgot about scapes, yeah. garlic scapes, because those are all of a sudden in. You yeah. know, I mean, there's more mm-hmm. like popping and stuff. So, yep, I love those. Those are the best. Those are those are really the best in my mind for like a really good pesto, or like if you're making garlic butter and chopping mm-hmm. those into those. <gasps> well, we'll have to be talking scapes in the pizza oven too. Yeah, when right. we get to that part. Um, for sure. Uh, okay. So then I went down. I have to tell you that I was spent some time in Stillwater. 
I oh yeah, I want to hear. About yeah, this. I drove down to see. Uh, I drove out to see the new hotel Laura, which is spectacular. It's like a boutique hotel. Yes. Yes. There's only forty rooms. Um, it's just, it's like one of those little, very cool places. It feels a little like the hewing in that way where it's like that kind of very chic, you know, and sort of, um, hip modern, but cozy, but very cozy and very, the, the tones are very smoky blue and lots of gray. But what I do love is that they have, so what they did was, and this is kind of important. Remember, do you remember you? I know you're a transplant, so you may yeah. not remember the old, old days of the caves right when you walked in, right when you drove into town. I do. I know exactly where you're talking about because I always wanted to go in, but I think they closed. Yeah. So it used to be a long time ago. It was a place. I think it was called like Vittorio's. It was like this old Italian restaurant that you walked in and it always smelled like musty cave. And Yum. everyone was like, yes, <laughs> this is authentic, you know, and you would eat in the caves and it was kind of interesting. <laughs> And then it turned into, I think, Luna Rosa. I think that was the name of the people who bought it from Vittorio's. And they did a great job. They had a wine bar and everything else. But the basically, the buildings that they comprise, there's three or four buildings that were right, right. on the edge. And the, the historic stairs that go all the way up to, to the, the top of the bluff. Yep. And people still run those stairs all Crazy. the time. But this was interesting. They had to, they basically combined four buildings. So they took over the block. One of them is the historic Wolf Brewing site. Hmm. And so this was like one, at one time, it was just this massive production brewery in, uh, in the state. And it was like, and way, way back pre prohibition, it was, uh, doing like 30,000 barrels, which is like what Surly does. I mean, good God. Seriously? Yes. In this little place. But it was also because, you know, they would, they they just had all the stuff underground in the caves, you know. Like they would have all yeah. the. Did they use the river the to transport it or the water? The... It's all about the water. It's all yeah. about the water there, and it's natural springs. You know, it's all just part of it. So, okay. interestingly enough, anyway, they the deal was is they had to put a lot of money into the renovation of all of this stuff because there was some crumbling foundations and it hadn't been taken care of. Sure. They had to rebuild part of the stairway, all of this kind of stuff. But it is. It is so. Is what's happened is is they've kept so much of it. Like you mm-hmm. walk in and you see the limestone. You see, you know, you don't smell the, you know, so cave. Are, but are the caves part of yeah the hotel? Well, in essence, yes. You can look okay. at them. You can't really go in them yet, but that's going to be a part of their. They're working on how that's going to. Like when you walk in, there's their front desk. Behind them is a tunnel to the coffee shop, and you have to go through the caves. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So it's kind of neat. Yeah. So it's lovely. They're embracing it, but it's very cleanly done and beautiful. Anyway, long story short, here's what you get for food there. You have a restaurant called Feller, which is sort of not like Hey Feller, but like a log feller. Oh, Someone I was who, going with the Hey, hey, hey Feller, hey buddy. Prohibition Hey, hey Feller. feller. <laughs> yeah. No, it's going to be this, uh, it's going to be a, you know, a hotel restaurant, but it's, um, it's called Feller. And we just saw some interesting little plates that came across and, Bison tar or bison carpaccio mirrored with a tuna carpaccio, kind of the same flavor notes, but different play out and was kind of like a fun little yin and yang. Hmm. And then, you know, there was some, there was a great, beautiful uh, grass fed steak that they put out, you know, just kind of really good food, nothing too, too crazy, fruity, weird. So are they going like Minnesota fair? Are they going local? So Sam Collins is the chef. Well, it's all, all I think everything's local now. Don't you think everybody, if you say Mm -hmm. they they use local ingredients, if they don't, (laughs) you're kind of like, who are you? Sorry, what? But they, um, they are, what he wanted to do was try to find food that the founders, you know, of Stillwater would eat and sort of riff in a modern take on that. Okay. So, 
you know, I don't know what that means. So Neo Stillwater? Yeah, Neo Stillwater <laughs> is what we're talking about. It's a whole new class of cuisine. Yeah. yeah. And then next door is a cocktail bar called The Long Goodbye, which is hysterical because that's totally the Minnesota, Minnesota. Long Goodbye. Um, and it's really done, you know, it just was very, it's very cool. It's a very cool cocktail bar, which I think is, is Stillwater has a ton of great restaurants, by the way. I mean, just walking down the street, I was just remembering how much is there. Yeah. I mean, it's, we were there in February, and th- yeah, there's a lot of good choices right now. Lola. Lolo. 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 Brick and Bourbon, which is the place we ended up. Yeah. The Velveteen. Um, yeah, the Velveteen. I don't know if it's Velveteen Rabbit or just Velveteen. I can't remember. Well, they have a rabbit on the logo, so maybe it's just implied. Yeah, implied. But that was a little speakeasy up in a warehouse that's kind of just mm-hmm. up the hill a little bit. And then, of course, per, uh, uh Pearl and the Thief, which is Justin Sutherland just opened. and Joe Peary's. And so did you get to go there? We did. We popped down there and we just, we had already eaten, but we wanted to kind of go get one more drink and hang out. And we saw, that's where we saw, um, we had a drink called the Blanche Devereaux, <laughs> which if <laughs> you know, any, the people girls. on this station know what that means. Right? I tell you, because of course that's a, a nod to the Golden Blanche. Girls. And so as we ordered it, you know, and then it got sat in front of us and the bartender said, here you go. Thank you for being a friend. And it was just so great because then you just have to keep going because we're like, travel down the road and back again. All of a sudden, the entire group is singing and they're like, really? You're going to do the whole song? Yes, we are. And we're like, yeah, we are. We're going to do it. Why not? I know. They clearly want you to. I think so. And we had it was permission. Yeah, we had and there were oysters that we had and we just had we just had a quick stop in. It was just like we had a couple oysters. So now Justin Sutherland is the executive chef there, but he's still the executive chef at Handsome Hog. Yes. So he's and, doing but they're not related. They the are, not. are not. This related. is his side okay. hustle. So, okay. yeah. And so a side and of course, hustle because restaurants are so easy to have a, something on the side. Right. Right. <laughs> Actually, we're going to talk about that in just a second. But there is also um, notes that he, of course, Justin Sutherland will be on Iron Chef America. I heard that. July 8th. Competing against Alex Garnaschelli or however we say the name, you know. And uh, so it's exciting. July 8th, there is going to be a watching party at Handsome Hog. Um, if you feel like you want to get down on the action, that could be kind of cool. It could be very cool. So he he's our second chef then that has competed on Iron Chef. Yeah, Sammy yeah. is the first one. That's right. We don't How have many years ago. We have a that? lot. Oh, God. Like. 10? 15, yeah. Was it 15 We years? don't have, we have a lot of people who show up on Beat Bobby Flay and those yep. kind of things, but we don't have any, you know. We haven't had anybody in Top Chef, right? Locally, no. We've and, got somebody that's going to be on Chopped, but I can't say. Oh, okay. See, the, I've seen a, I've heard a couple Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, and then there's another one. I mean, plenty of diners, drive-ins, and dives, obviously. Oh yeah, but all that kind of stuff. Guy Fieri loves this place. Well, his buddies live here. <laughs> all right, gang, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back. I want to talk about there's some interesting developments in New York in the restaurant world with female chefs taking over restaurants of bad men and all the uh, interesting ramifications of that. This is The Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. I'm Stephanie March. I'm here with Molly Herman this morning. Guten Morgen. Guten Morgen. Um, I just wanted to let you guys know also a couple things that just came over the tweeter. I just want to make the sure tweeter? you... The tweeter? <laughs> that the summer MSV Mag summer yoga series, it is still going on. I know that it was supposed to uh, be... In, it's now been moved. It's at the Minnetonka High School. So if you are headed that way, make sure that it's inside now because it's, it's yoga raining. in the rain in is a very specific. <laughs> is that is that a thing? Yoga in the rain? It can be. I mean, it's <laughs> it's your decision. You need to find your zen. If it includes soggy slipping on your mat and possibly face planting, yeah, be one okay with too. nature. Unmapped Brewing is having their first year anniversary party. We got a little 
poop about that. Bands, beer, perfectly fused food from fused food truck, which I have not tried. So I, you know, that an unmet brewing is out in, is out Minnetonka way. So, you know, I might pop over there and see what's going on. I'm just saying. Uh, okay. So let's talk a little bit about something that happened. So this week I got to be, um, I got a, uh, we, I, I met Carrie Diamond of Cherry Bomb and Cherry Bomb is a, a magazine that was started by a group of women in the food world who decided that they, you know, basically wanted to have more, um, female voices out there mm-hmm. to support. She opened a restaurant, you know, with her boyfriend and realized that she just didn't have that much support and that nobody's was... background was in the magazine industry. Yes. Yes. And so that's why she sort of realized that it was that she could maybe do this. <clears throat> and, uh, she might be calling and I'm not sure if we're going to get her or not, but, um, she, what was interesting, she came into town. They had a moment at the, at the Lynn hall, but I got to talk with her beforehand before her panel, and we just talked about women in the food industry and everything else, and and kind of how it's all been going and how it's intertwined itself with the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and how that's you know the idea of supporting women is going to be responsible on many levels. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And and what's funny is I asked her, "What would you want to have happen in a year? If you and I were sitting here in a year, what would be the thing that you would find the most victorious, or like you would be so psyched? Sure. What does this success has look like? Yeah." And she said, I would like all the harassers and bad men to have divested from their restaurants. And so this is, we're talking about Mario Batali. We're talking about uh, Ken Friedman. We're talking about, you know, all these guys who are, you know, John Besh, all the, all the bad actors out there saying like she wants them to not make any more money off the places where they committed these sort of acts. So does that mean that she doesn't want them in the restaurant industry at all? Or like, what if they reform? What well, if, and, they, and she did say she goes if they don't divest because she's very clear about like I can't make anybody like leave their business. Sure. But she said if they don't divest, then it would be great to have like a, a move forward manifesto. Then something that says, and none of them have done this either, which is a thing that says this is how I, this is how things will change. This is what will be different. Mm-hmm. She's like, why? I would love to know from them why we should support them. Why should we be eating in your restaurants and giving you money so that you know? what is the culture change? How can you give back? Mm -hmm. So she was saying that that would be what she wants if they don't divest. Well, then she left, you know, town and I emailed her saying, thanks. It was real fun. And then all of a sudden the April Bloomfield news sort of broke at the same time, which is that April Bloomfield, one of the big chefs in New York and partner in Ken Friedman's empire, uh, was removing herself from spotted pig. So she was going to divest. She didn't want anything to do with him anymore. And so Spotted Pig was sort of ground zero for the whole Ken Friedman, Mario Batali sexual misconduct allegations. Right. It was their own personal little playground. Yes. And it was called, and I'm just going to say, I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but this is what it's kind of known as the place where they had the rape room. Yeah. Which is where a lot of things happened. And they joked about that, that being a very fun name to call it, you know, and that's. That's part of the problem, is what we're saying. Yeah. So April Friedman or April Bloom, uh, sorry, <laughs> April Bloom. <laughs> I don't think she'd like that very much. Decided to say, "Hey, I'm out." You know, she's like, "I'm done. I don't want to be a part of this." And so that was well. She came under fire too, though, during right. the whole thing. Like there were there were employees that said that they went to her as a female in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, and didn't get the support that they were looking for, right? In these in these allegations, and she admitted, you know, she said that she was, uh, she said she thought she had done everything she could, but then she didn't realize really the seriousness of it. Right. And and I, I totally don't, I don't 
put that against her because of the fact that I know the restaurant world and mm-hmm. it get it is it is it has become hard to pick through what the realities are and mm-hmm. not not saying that people are lying just saying that there's so many gray areas within this this is not like an office where someone is in a suit and they walk up and they flash you it's not that way mm-hmm. there's so many other gray areas mm-hmm. so but what broke this week was very strange so april's out she's leaving she doesn't want to be a part of it anymore um and then all of a sudden news broke that gabrielle hamilton who is just won the James Beard Award for Best New Chef. She has two books. She has a new book out. You know, Blood and Bone was her first one that we all mm-hmm. loved so much. She runs Restaurant Prune. Prune, which has been around for like 20 years. Yeah. Right? And it's kind she, of an icon. She and her wife, Ashley Merriman, uh, were going to team up to uh, with Ken Friedman on to run Spotted Pig. Dun, dun, dun. Right. And so a lot of people were like, wait, what? I'm sorry, wait, What? Uh, and then it was like, well, maybe this is this whole thing of, and I love Amanda Clute actually from Eater New York put out this really interesting thing. She says, I thought maybe they would come out and say, look, he's not going to sell or close a restaurant and it continues to be busy. So this is a way for us to build a great culture and a staff, you know, and get paid because we need money and, you know, but this is like, we can also do the changes. Well, they didn't say that. And then she said, well, then I thought they'd say, well, we're longtime friends with Ken and we're working toward a path of forgiveness based on his serious remorse and communication with his alleged victims. And then he would apologize. But that didn't happen either. Instead, (laughs) his new prospective partners, this is from Amanda. She's saying that Gabrielle and Ashley, they just like to party like Ken, but without the harassment part. She said that they said he'll be like a reformed spouse on his second marriage behaved better this time around and that he shouldn't be deprived of money comparing the calls for him to divest from his restaurant to capital punishment and accusing his detractors of sharing a bloodlust. They went all in. Wow. You guys. They said they should be lauded a la humanitarian Jose Andres. That's what I was going to get cleaning yeah. up a disaster. They talked about a man's redemption. They talked about truth and reconciliation without mentioning his remorse or the victims. They talked to the pig as if it's an entity bigger than all of us that needs to be saved. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> <laughs> Where to begin? Right. Um, I, I can't decide if I'm impressed that they're willing to go into this mess. Yeah. And I mean, they're calling it a disaster, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Am I impressed that they're willing to go in there and try to make lemonade out of lemons? Or am I like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you aligning yourself with this guy on a what could be a sinking ship? Well... I think that there's, it seems to me that they feel like they are coming from the restaurant owner's perspective. And I get this because it is a strange, I, I, I will tell you honestly, I think that uh, bad people who do bad things, I mean, we can't force them to sell their restaurants. You no. can't do that, but you can stop patronizing them yep. and you can stop supporting them and that kind of thing. But I do think that it is interesting that the calls for this divestment and all this sort of thing feels for restaurant owners again in this place where they're like, so I'm supposed to, I, I like I did bad things and I, now I understand like, and I'm not like, Ken Friedman not, and Mario Batali anybody here. did bad yeah. things and were, and I'm just saying that it's an interesting thing to say. Now you can't have anything anymore ever. Like you can't have a business. You can't have a life. You can't have a, well, what's also interesting about their quotes is that they're, they sort of go down two paths. Like, Oh, he's going to be like a second husband and we're going to keep him in line. Yeah. And then they compare it to a national disaster that they need to clean up. So I don't, I'm not really sure that they even know, I know which direction they're going in here. But it's 
it's odd. Can I tell you that I did go to the Spotted Pig a couple of years ago? Oh yeah. Um, and I I sent my dinner back. I never do that. Yeah. It was not good. Well, I don't know how it can be when no one's actually paying attention. Yeah. You know, but everybody reacted really crazy about it. I mean, there's people saying, you know, if you told me a month ago that Gabrielle Hamilton was going to partner with Friedman, I would have laughed at you and then open hand slapped you. You know what I mean? Like people are not, they don't know what to do with this because it is so. It, it is a major plot twist. It is. There is, um, you know, the people are saying, here are some thoughts on Gabrielle Hamilton partnering with Ken Friedman at the Spotted Pig. It's bonkers. But more important, it's callous and self-serving. I'd like to think people won't tolerate it despite all the spin. But then again, you know, you never know what's going on. And people do crazy things. And I think Helen Rossner, um, who is, she writes for The New Yorker. And yep. she's kind of this, uh, you know, she's very much a champion of women chefs and restaurants. She says, just close the effing restaurant down. Um and she was just saying, though, you know, it's just so interesting because I think it's one of the things, that, the other things that Carrie Diamond and I talked about was that there is this idea that women are supposed to all think one thing and come together and be this like kumbaya. And she's like, it just isn't like that. And no. we are individuals who have different thoughts and emotions and they, they play out so differently. Very true. And they can't, you can't say like, you know, some women want to be identified as women chefs and some don't. I mean, it gets too elemental as that. But I think no matter what kind of paradigm shift they wind up having being there in that restaurant, if they keep it as the spotted pig, it's always going to have that pall over it, you know, like I know. just because there's so much associated with it in the the Me Too movement and the sexual misconduct and all that, you know, rebrand it, close well, it down, do something different. It's kind of like it's start the, over. It's, you know, and I mean, this is a whole different thing. And we talked a lot last week about Anthony Bourdain, but this whole Kate Spade situation which is in the same way that's her name how how does anybody have a kate spade bag and not think about suicide and tragedy i don't know how the stores do it i don't know how they're going to do it right and they haven't even been associated with her in many many years because Mm -hmm. she sold the company but i mean this is this is the idea of like what happens to a brand when tragedy hits right it's always a reminder yeah Interesting stuff. All right. So there's a little bit of interesting news happening. You might want to watch it. I, Eater, you know, Eater National has some great stuff on it. And I can post uh, Amanda's note if you're interested in that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, you guys. When we come back, we are going to tell you about a project that Molly and I have been working on in my backyard. We'll be right back. This is the Weekly Dish. We're brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit. Hey, everybody. Welcome like back morning. to Weekly Dish. Hope you're staying dry this morning and cool. Just going to give a shout out to all the people who don't have air conditioning, like me. (laughs) (laughs) And my poor son, Jake, who is just a sweaty mess. Well, at least he's in the basement. It's cooler down there, isn't it? It is. is. It's a lot cooler. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying, love you all. Peace. And here's how we do it, kids. (laughs) Go to movies. Right. (laughs) Uh, I absolutely have like a triple movie planned for tomorrow. So I'm excited about that. That's a good idea. I know. Uh, All right. So here's the thing. Y'all know I moved. You know, most of you know I moved and I lost uh, in the move, of course, the pizza oven that I had built into my house, into my kitchen way back yeah, when. We were and that's, all, we were know, sad about that. Time and tide, right? You move on, everything goes away and, and you, you adjust, mm-hmm. but you won't let me. So <laughs> I won't let you adjust. I'm just kidding. It oh. was a joke. <laughs> like, but wait. honestly, we decided if you can't have a pizza oven inside your house, you can probably build one outside. And it's not even just a pizza oven. It's just a, a brick oven. So Molly and our friend Kelly and I and my mom and my nephew Tristan, honestly, uh, we all kind of endeavored last week to construct 
a brick mm-hmm. pizza oven in the backyard. Can we talk about what a gorgeous day that was? We could not have picked that one, a more gorgeous the day. The construction day was beautiful. To build a pizza oven. Yeah. It was last, I think it was last Thursday. Not this it last, was last one, Thursday. but the one before yeah. that. And it was, um, and it was just perfect. But here's the deal. We wanted to talk about it because it's, it, for us, it is a, it is an imperfect thing in progress. This is an experiment. Mm-hmm. And I don't have the blog up that I'm going to put up about it because I kind of want to keep working on it. And I want it to sort of be at the end, this sort of journey that we've taken. Yep. And because I would love for to share that with you guys, because I think that, that you can do this. Like if you've ever dreamed of having an oven in your yard, listen. It's not hard. And it doesn't cost thousands of dollars. It doesn't cost thousands of dollars. I don't even know how much it costs. Because you, <laughs> you guys bought the bricks for me, so I don't know. We'll, we'll get you those numbers for the blog. Right, for the blog. So here's the things that I would like for you to know to start. One, there are two different kinds of ovens that you can build in your backyard. And one is called a dry stack oven, and the other is sort of a, you know, a mortar, mortar oven. Right. And there's value in both. But you don't have to have this, like... You don't have to think about it in terms of that you have to go out and build this giant brick structure and have all of like the paving, you know, and grouting and all of that stuff, that experience. You don't need that because you can make a dry stack oven. Right. And in fact, there's a guy who's teaching classes out at Galewood's Farm, which is in uh, Three Rivers Park District. They uh, he teaches a dry stack and how right. to make one. And let's be honest, if you're building a pizza oven in your backyard, you're not slinging you know, dozens and dozens of pizza every night and need it to be right. You know, for high production. Right. You're, right. you're, you're gonna, not running a restaurant. Right. So it can, you know, you can give yourself a little break on the perfection part of that. Yeah. So the big P so then when you're looking for, for how to do this, there's a couple, there's three different kinds of bricks that you need. Yes. And the first kind of brick is a fire retardant brick. And again, we're going to go through all of this. I think is the word reflective. Okay, yeah. is fire reflective brick, and that is the thing because you're going to want to build. You're not going to build a base, or you could build a base of bricks for your for your table for it to sit on. Sure, but basically, you want to build. You want to build it on top of a table, and yep. you can do that with these fire reflective bricks because basically that's the first layer that should go down, so that when you're building a fire on top, it's not going to burn through your table. And you can buy those like. They have some at Home Depot. They have them at Lowe's. You know, any home improvement store. Um, I think ours came from Otten Brothers because that's where Kelly's husband, John, works. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, insulating fire bricks is another term for them. But fire reflective are the ones that you need on the bottom. On the bottom. And so then you basically um, build up from there. And you also need the second kind of brick you need is just a red brick. Um, it's It's just a red terracotta brick. Is that what we said? Yes, but then you need the fire conductive. Yeah, the yeah, heat yeah. conductive ones. Right, You're but, getting there. Okay, yeah. sorry. So those are... I'm jumping around. Yeah, those are just the three kind of bricks you want to think of. So yep. fire, reflective, terracotta, which is going to be the basic outside of your oven, the red brick, and our say Harmar on them, which is fun, because <laughs> we always want to say superstar. And then there are the fire conductive bricks. And these are special bricks that you want because they are going to be the ones that hold the heat and then keep your oven warm and also cook the these will be the surface in which you cook right on which you cook now we haven't talked about this but there is you know there are some other the ones we have i'm not sure what they're what they're composite of but there are some other terracotta actual bricks right i think these are a silica yeah sort of blend but i've heard of terra i mean terracotta was the actual base of the oven that i used to have Mm -hmm. so those will work as well Mm -hmm. but um but you kind of you kind of want to play around and and sort of see what works best i think 
Yeah. So you want to put the brick down. The first level you put down is the reflective. And then on top of that, you want to put your... Uh, the the conductive. the conductive, and then around that you want to build up your oven, right? Right, and then in the inside you have to put the conductive, you know, on the sides and the top, right? So mm-hmm. that you're conducting heat all the way through, right? So you want to also, and here's here's a little key: We're, as far as like getting into sizes and stuff, obviously you always want to think bigger is better, you know. So everyone tries to like want to build a biggest oven I can make, right? You know. And all I'm just saying is, especially for your first time, caution on that, because the bigger it is, the the longer it's going to take to heat and the harder it is going to be to hold it in and to keep your structure balanced. Yes. And we did make yours a little bit bigger than we had planned. Right. Um, mainly because of the way you use it. Yeah. Or you're planning to use it. But yes, yeah, so we're we're having some structural things that we're going to shore up. And- well, and what I love is we kind of just, we just sort of made it the size that we want. I would say it's like, I mean, it's like four feet by three feet, you know, it's a, it's a big oven, you guys. Yeah. I just love that. Like last night when we went over to make pizzas, Keith, my husband, who's an engineer, right? Asks. So what was the plan here? And then he's like, what are the percentages? And and we're like, what? And Kelly jumps in. She goes, well, you know, we had an 18 page plan that we could share with you, but let me just walk you around and tell you what we did. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying it's not sort of did a little winging of it. Yeah. It was a lot of winging, but I think to me that's the essence of DIY. And and again, this is not something that is perfected. Like, for instance, so what I'm saying with how big we made it, our opening is too big. And so we let, yep. there's too much heat that comes out of it. And so in, so then now we're like looking at it. Now we used it last night for the first time mm-hmm. and really realized how much heat is is leaving it. So we thought, okay, well, this is what we need to do. And so we're going to reshore the opening up. We're going to close it a little bit, bring it down a touch and readjust. So I like that fact that you can like with a dry stack or with a very loose mortar, mm-hmm. you, you can, can do adjust. that. It's not permanent is the point. Well, one of the things we left out that you have to have is a flue. You have to have a little chimney on there to yes. sort of, you know, get the airflow. The hardest direct, correct way. Yeah. The hardest part is the is the ceiling of the oven. Because mm-hmm. basically you can stack bricks, right? And you think that's not a big deal. But the thing is you do have to have a grid or a grate system on on that top layer and then put bricks on top of that to enclose it. And you need enough room for that chimney and that terracotta chimney is heavy. Mm-hmm. And so that is a thing that is a little bit. And granted, I will tell you this, we could use a different kind of chimney. Like we yeah. could have used you a could have used a, a steel one that's a lot lighter. Uh, lighter. I thought about or that an aluminum too. one. Yep, an aluminum well, an aluminum one was on my old one. Why like, don't we do that? I don't know. <laughs> Wait, what were we thinking? I mean, because we had the terracotta, terracotta one. The, ter- the, the actual chimney doesn't need to conduct anything. I'm going to go buy you a aluminum <laughs> flue like after the show. I'm like, why? <laughs> well, we have to check in with Kelly if there was a reason that we had that. But I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it looks pretty because yeah. it's this terracotta color. Right. But I mean, my original oven had a big old silver chimney coming out the top. I think but... the silver one would look cool, too. I know. So this is the point is I just want to I just want to encourage you guys to not be afraid to get some bricks, man. And like, think about some mortar. If you do want to use mortar, there is special outdoor fireplace mortar. You can pick it up at Home Depot. You can yep. pick it up at, you know, there's lots of tile stores that have it. Mm-hmm. And but just, it is outdoor fireplace mortar. Yeah. So that you don't it won't wash away too. But and it, it just has like a special with the baking and the heat. It'll it's pretty good. Higher heat properties. Higher heat properties. All right. So there's the beginning of the pizza oven discussion, you guys. I just want to keep you. This is a part one. 
And we're going to come back and talk about part twos and part threes as we go over the summer and share. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, you guys, but it is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show coming up. So give us a call if you have questions, 651-641-1071, and we will be here to answer all the good stuff. We'll be right back. This is Weekly Dish. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish. This is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. So if you feel like you have some questions, some concerns, some tips, some tricks, all that kind of good stuff, you can dial us up at 651-641-1071. You can also send us some notes on the old the tweeters on uh, to at Steph March, or you can send us to a uh, weekly dish at weekly dish MN um, or, you know, on the Facebooks, whatever we have. Uh, we have time to hang out this morning. Speaking of messages. Yeah, we have received one from Kelly. Oh, what is it? The most important thing that she notes is for the pizza oven building. Yes. We are not professionals. <laughs> <laughs> also, hashtag just do it. Yeah. We right? might get in trouble for that. Is right. that thing? Anyway, uh, she does say that the uh, Kelly says we basically used a bunch of reclaimed leftover materials, hence terracotta flu. Yeah. So if you have a steel flu lying around, yeah. that would probably work great, too, and be much lighter. Well, I am headed to the Home Depots today to get... Uh, a lawnmower <laughs> because it's a Father's Day sales everywhere so I could oh, use a lawnmower. A idea. Isn't that great? Yeah. So I'm going to go pick up a lawnmower so maybe I'll go look at some of the uh, flu shopping. The flashings if yeah. you will. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be too serious. It just has to guide it upwards. Exactly. I know. Um, hey, we did have someone who didn't uh, want to be on the air but had a question about last week uh, with Elizabeth Reese. We were talking about a certain buffalo sauce and it's called Tessa May's Hot Buffalo Sauce and it is one of her favorites. Elizabeth was waxing poetic on that. She oh, loves it. Oh, my God. It's all natural. So good. You can find them at Whole Foods. I swear to God, they're at every single Whole Foods that I can pull up in our area. Also, the Fresh Time Market. There's one in Savage and Apple Valley and, and out in Plymouth. Any in the co-ops or no? Is it local? I it's didn't not local. That. It's not local. Okay. Nope. Um, but it is, it is completely all natural and very... The whole paleo friendly kind of stuff, I believe. So, and she said to get the hot one, don't get the mild one, right? I think it's just the hot buffalo sauces. I think they okay. have a buffalo sauce and then that's it, right? But it's gluten free, vegan, sugar free, kosher, whole 30 compliant, dairy free, all the things. And Yum. still, it's like delicious. the perfect food. And yet, still <laughs> delicious with sunflower oil and aged red peppers. I love a good hot. What do you eat your hot sauce on? Uh, do you eat hot sauce? I do. I'm trying to think. I mean, I put it on everything. I love it on eggs and potatoes, in like just, a hash brown situation. Right. I like to put hot sauce in my ketchup with my hash browns. Oh. Like I spice up my ketchup. Okay. Um, when, you know, I'm from the South, so I love it on scrambled eggs and grits. Yeah, I never, yeah, that's a, that's, breakfast has never been that much of a hot sauce place for me. Oh. Although I am a savory breakfast way over. Right. You it's know. funny. Yeah, I just named all breakfast foods. You today. did. That's what it was. I was like, well, I like, I guess I like a little kick to start hung, my day. You're also hungry right now, probably. Yeah, I am. But there is, um, I for some reason I always I I, I want to dip my popcorn in it. You you are a big popcorn dipper. Yeah, I like that. And then, um, but I do find that I just want hot sauce on lots of veggies too. Well, and the you know it's green on cauliflower. Everybody has yeah. sort of a buffalo cauliflower now on their menu, which I'm not sad about. No, it's really delicious. Yeah, it is. And I think if that's kind of where if I don't have. I mean, obviously, I love to dip a little bit of a crispy chicken situation in there. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have that, then I absolutely want to blanch some cauliflower, like or not blanch them, but I want to blast them in a 500 degree oven until they get kind of like crispy caramel yep. on the outside. And that's when I want those in in the hot buffalo sauce. sauce or yeah, hot sauce. I do. I love it on collard greens, actually. Yeah. 
But, you know, in the South, we're used to uh, like a vinegar pepper sauce more so than the hot sauce that you put on greens. Right. Like a finger pepper sauce. Have you, do you ever make your own hot sauce? Like you ever do? Because I, I will tell you this. I have a lot of chilies being grown in my garden. This, you know, little peppers. Maybe we should get on that. Maybe well, we should roast them in the pizza oven and uh, make a roasted Maybe that's hot sauce. it. Yeah. I know that my, we, I happened to actually be at Crybaby Craig's uh, yesterday. Oh, that looked good. For lunch. That was kind of outstanding. By the way, 651-641-1071 if you want to give us a call. Or just um, a chat. Yeah, just, call just and a chat. chat. So I was at Crybaby Craig's and he at his production facility, his kitchen, they have a thing called they do Friday lunch. And they just have, you know, they just do something fun for Friday lunch after working all week. And they call a couple of their pals and say, hey, we're doing a thing. Come on over. So Crybaby Craig, I want to be a pal. Oh, I know. Oh, so we good. got in. Uh, so he basically... He and Sam, who used to, uh, Bonini, who used to be a part of North Street or Eat Street Social and North Street Mm -hmm. Northeast Social, who is no longer a part of it now. He's He's not? Nope. He's just doing Crybaby Craig's. They're partnered up. I had no idea. I know. Thanks for the hot tip. And so what's fun is that they, so he just said, hey, come on over. We have a bunch of people hanging out. And I had Jake with me. So I was like, we're coming. And he can eat a lot. So just be ready. (laughs) And... It was kind of awesome. They what he did they did was Chris Greasy, who is I one love of our Chris just prominent, long standing wine and uh, reps in town. But he's also the sake man. He knows more about sake than anybody. He I has think, a in town. huge respect for the sake culture yeah. and, it, and the education that he gives to his restaurants and clients is amazing. Yeah, and he. So what we did was he had a bunch of different sakes that he was testing, you know, just like sampling. And and so we just like kind of stood around and sipped. And Craig came in with an entirely huge board of food that was a hamachi, was grilled hamachi collar. And we're going to get to that in a second. Uh, Pickles, you know, pickled cucumbers, Mm -hmm. pickled daikon that he had done the night before, which is daikon is a radish. Um, There was pork belly on there. He had rolled up some chicken. Did he make all of this himself? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, stuffed with leeks. Well, he's, you know, he, his whole story is that he was a line cook who basically wanted to, like, be a stay-at-home dad. And so he did that. He quit his line cooking job so he could stay home and take care of his kid. And then he basically decided, I could also do hot sauce on the side. And there was As sort of one a, does. Yeah, well, there was a whole thing where he, you know, ordered too many habanero peppers, or he got the wrong shipment, and they were like, well... And so they, mm-hmm. he just pickled them and created the hot sauce and then was giving it away. Aww, so then he decided to create, yeah. And I mean, like he still gets to, he's one of those guys and during Father's Day weekend, and this is a good story because I do believe that it's like, you know, the, the restaurant industry is not great for parents yeah. because it's, you, you don't get to have holidays. You don't really get to have, you know, you miss your Saturday well, and nights games. and weekends and yeah, you know, it's tough. And it's great if you have one, but it's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. it's just really rough. So it was nice to, he decided that he was trying to find a different way of doing it. So anyway, sat around the board basically and just sat with fingers and chopsticks and plucked at it. And I just think we need more, we need more, <laughs> we plucking. need more board dinners. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like we need more dinners where we all stand around an island or whatever and have sips and drinks yeah. and chats and everything else. So Hamachi Collar, let's talk about Hamachi Collar for a second. Please do. Do you know? I mean, like, have you cooked yeah, it? Yeah, I've never cooked it. I've okay. had it. So, hamachi is obviously the fish, right? That we all, that we love to eat sushi-wise. She keeps putting her hands around her neck for collar. those of you that are not uh, visual on the right. radio. But the hama- the collar is obviously the neck area and around the, yeah. you know, kind of where they behead the fish. And it is on hamachi, the these giant, giant, beautiful fish. It is 
It is. It's like a fish cheek. Basically, it's the most tender part. It is deliciously tender and fatty and beautiful. And uh, Craig cooked it up on a high heat grill. Just did a quick, and he said it was smoky and oily and beautiful. But it was just like, basically, just so. It was just, you know, smoking high and it's really moist. And so you pulled it off, and you couldn't really worry about too much of overcooking it because it has such a good oil content. And we just like shredded it. And I thought this is a totally great idea. And mm-hmm. I know that the fish guys carries it, yep. which means you could ask your local store to carry some or to order you up some hamachi collars yeah, or coastal seafood. I'm yeah. sure they have it too. Yep, I think they do too. Anyway, so there's so, a tip for your grilling time. So sake and uh, hot sauce. Who who knew? I know it's all good. All right, you guys, we're going to take a break, and we'll come back with a second hour. We'll start it off with top two at hour two. We'll be right back. This is a weekly dish. Thanks for joining us. We are brought to you by Red Cow and Red Rabbit.